Welcome to the Episode 3 bonus interview for Mission Transition, Powering BC's Clean Energy Economy. We're a Sierra Club BC podcast miniseries about the transition to the next economy. Hi, I'm Susan Elrington, and in this episode, we'll feature my full-length interview with Liam Hildebrand. I wanted you to hear more from Liam because it's widely assumed oil and gas workers are against the development of renewable energy. And when we started work on this podcast, I fully expected to run up against a wall of resistance from workers in the fossil fuel industries. But instead, I met people who were worried about losing their jobs, sure, but also curious about a clean energy economy. And as you'll hear from Liam, it was those kinds of conversations that spurred him to action. He was a boilermaker working in the tar sands, and he started Iron and Earth to help workers transition into the next economy. It kind of started day one of working up there. I had some pretty amazing conversations with some of my coworkers right from the get-go. And it was pretty clear to me when I was doing my shifts that a lot of workers were really proud of what they were doing and they were really grateful for the jobs they had in the oil and gas industry, but they definitely saw the future was going to be renewable and they wanted a piece of it. And so it was just conversations that unfolded over a wide number of years. And it was really in 2015 when oil prices started to collapse that we realized we really needed to actually do something about it. And we kind of took upon ourselves to to take some action. So when you when workers would talk about the fact that alternatives were coming or something was changing, what was the predominant feeling about that? Um, you know, anticipation or trepidation? <laughs> yeah, I guess there's sort of a, a 50-50 split that I, I found. Uh, some workers were pretty af- afraid of the future and weren't sure what they would do with their trade skills in the future. And then the other 50% largely recognized that our skills are highly transferable and they were excited to diversify their work scope to include wind, solar, geothermal, biomass, uh, whatever the renewable energy technologies might, might be of the future. How much opportunity was there to really explore that? I ask that because um, there's been such an adversarial relationship between environmentalists and workers in the oil patch and so on. There's a real sense of defensiveness about what you're doing. So how do you get a chance to explore what you might do instead? Yeah, it's uh, really required years and years of conversations in the lunchroom. And it's really unfolded over a wide number of years of working in the oil sands and my approach to the conversation and the the concepts of a transition to renewables have evolved considerably uh, from when I started working up there. I think I was fairly radical, I guess, early on and I was really excited to see a, a really abrupt transition from oil and gas to renewables. But it was through conversation after conversation with my coworkers that helped me recognize that, you know what, we need to really appreciate the jobs that we do have, not take them for granted. We have to make sure that they do exist into the the future in the midterm and make sure that a 
a transition to renewables is done very responsibly and takes into deep consideration all of the families and the communities that uh, will be impacted by any job losses or job creation that comes out of it. How much fear is there that somehow a standard of living might change in the next economy if we move to a clean energy economy? Yeah, there is a fair amount of concern about that. Even the workers that are excited about renewables are pretty concerned about what that might mean for their wages in the future. Uh, I think what we've seen around the world is some of the large-scale renewable energy projects actually do pay quite well and comparative to some of the larger-scale oil and gas uh, projects. Um, but there will likely be a pay cut that will be required. And uh, honestly, we're already seeing that in the oil and gas industry already. I know myself, I just lost all of my opportunity for double time when working in Alberta. We negotiated that away in our last uh, bargaining with uh, through our through our uh, agreements with the unions and contractors. So we're already seeing wage reduction across the board as the energy politics and energy dynamics unfold in Canada. So change is coming one way or another anyway. Yeah, I guess you could say that change is definitely happening and has been happening for a a few years now. So let's talk about then with those workers, as you mentioned, they're highly transferable skills, but not necessarily for everybody. You're, there is some retraining that needs to be involved. What's your perspective on, on how much retraining and how that should happen? So the way that we've come to look at it is there's a wide range of building trades and there's a wide range of renewable energy technologies. And we try to look at, okay, where's the overlap and how do they interact with each other? Uh, Myself, as a boilermaker, I can work with cranes lifting up heavy components. I can weld. I can cut steel. I can fit it into place. I can fasten large components together. And those skills are required on a large-scale wind energy project, They're going to be required in biofuel uh, refineries or upgraders. They're going to be required in biomass uh, power generation stations. They're going to be required in geothermal projects as well. So I could work in any of those industries theoretically, but some rapid upskilling would be extremely beneficial so that when I get to the job site, I actually know what to expect. I understand the industry and I understand the nuances of the components I'm going to be working with. So who should be responsible for that upskilling? Well, I think it should be led by the federal government. Our organization is calling for a national upskilling initiative to be led by the federal government and then customized at the provincial level and then implemented through various training providers, unions, and educational institutions. But we really need a big picture roadmap of where we're going. And we need some leadership at the federal level to say, okay, 
we are going to make sure as a country, we're going to deploy renewable energy technologies as efficiently and effectively as possible while leveraging our existing expertise. And this is how we're going to do it. We have these workers, we have these renewables to build. And in the middle, here's some rapid upskilling programs for boilermakers, electricians, crane operators, pipe fitters, scaffolders, to make sure that they feel empowered to go get those jobs. And when they get to the site, they can build things as fast as possible and to the highest level of quality as possible. What is the role, if any, of industry in all of this? Industry is going to be playing a fairly significant role, whether that's through providing training opportunities for their own employees or supporting initiatives like Iron and Earth, which is leading demonstration projects to show what is possible. You're listening to Mission Transition, powering BC's clean energy economy. I'm Susan Elrington. In this bonus episode, I'm speaking with Liam Hildebrand of Iron and Earth, and that's a group helping oil and gas workers make the transition to the clean energy economy. And when I spoke with Liam, Iron and Earth had just completed its first training program. It was amazing. Yeah, it was so fun and a very successful project. So what we did is we got 15 workers to go through this first training program. Ten of them were oil and gas workers and five of them were community members. And we did three days in class learning about the solar industry, learning about global warming and where renewable energies uh, were going to be developed in Alberta specifically. And then we showed them the different types of components involved in a solar energy installation. And then we got onto the roof. So we actually brought everyone up onto the roof of the local daycare building uh, in the community. And we installed an 8 kilowatt solar energy system. So what feedback did you get from the workers on whether this is where they could see their future? They were just lighting up and extremely excited to be able to potentially find a job in, in solar following the training program. One worker had a cute story where he said his, his wife just lit up when she found out that he was uh, going to be getting a sponsorship to take this training program. And she was... Just so excited to see her husband, who had been unemployed for a couple of years now, being provided with new opportunities to apply his trade skills and help support the family in a way that's uh, in alignment with their family values. Let's talk about that a little bit in terms of the values, is that some younger generation people don't necessarily want to go and work in the oil patch. They don't feel that that working on fossil fuel extraction is in line with their values. Is this something that you think would present a challenge in the future anyway for the oil and gas industry? I think it will certainly play a factor. I know myself and a lot of my colleagues who I've worked with in the oil sands are looking for new opportunities wherever possible. So in a very 
immediate sense, I, I see it personally. It's hard to project without really knowing the, the data and the statistics around it. But my general sense is that there's certainly a, a movement towards finding opportunities in careers that are going to be conducive to a sustainable future. And that's one of the more striking conversations that I've had time and time again on the job site is, although a lot of workers like myself are proud of contributing to the Canadian economy and providing the energy that the world needs to uh, create the level of this quality of life that we have both here in Canada and around the world, we are very cognizant or a lot of us are very cognizant of the fact that our work directly is contributing to climate change and damage to the environment that is occurring because of the industry. So it's it's certainly going to have an impact. Yeah. So putting up solar panels has more of a feel good sense to it. Yeah, absolutely. When we talk about moving to the next economy or a a clean energy economy, what do you see as the opportunities for workers, and particularly workers coming from oil and gas? Yeah, so in the oil and gas industry, particularly the oil sands, the workforce is largely made up of the various building trades. Quickly run down the list, you have your boilermakers, your iron workers, pipe fitters, sheet metal workers, scaffolders, uh, operating engineers, so crane operators, and um, you have skilled laborers and teamsters and a few other trades that I'm sure I've forgotten. I don't think I mentioned electricians. And all of these trades are going to be needed for any kind of renewable energy project. So it really comes down to the deployment of renewables because if we are not ambitious enough with the renewable energy deployment in Canada, well, then that's not going to create a lot of renewable energy jobs or opportunities for those workers, right? So they're not going to have jobs to transition into. But if we really take climate targets seriously and deploy renewables at an ambitious rate, that's going to be more beneficial for those workers because they're going to have more opportunity to diversify. I wonder, too, if there's opportunity in a new economy to not necessarily be traveling away from your family to work. Yeah, that's something that excites a lot of people. I think renewable energy will be more localized, but it won't be entirely uh, that way. So there's still going to be quite a bit of travel required for a lot of these workers. Um, but hopefully where possible, we can be creating jobs in, in the communities. And uh, I think that will be largely the case, but it really depends on what kind of renewable energy technologies are deployed and where they are deployed. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate you making the time to talk. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks so much. And that's it for this bonus episode of Mission Transition, Powering BC's Clean Energy Economy. This is a conversation about the transition to the clean energy economy. You can join the conversation about the transition to a clean energy economy on our Sierra Club BC Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. 
let us know how you're choosing clean energy in your life and more about your concerns and hopes for the next economy. This podcast series has been made possible by the North Growth Foundation. If you'd like to see Sierra Club BC produce more podcasts, please consider making a donation at sierraclub.bc.ca. Thank you for listening.